Hey there, everyone, and welcome to episode one of Points and Penalties, season two. That's right, we're back for a second season. It's a Christmas fucking miracle. This season, we're trying out a new format, and that should help keep the show's length down and keep the quality of the content up. Hope you like the new style, and we'd like to remind you to please subscribe wherever you get your pods. Give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Points Penalties. And in case you didn't uh, didn't remember, my name is Josh. With me are my co-hosts, Kevin and Peter. Jesse is a little under the weather today. <clears throat> Pitch. And, <laughs> well, let's start with you, Kev. What are you drinking tonight? Well, I'm having myself a, a Junction IP, a Hazy IPA. It's a 6.2% alcohol. And uh, obviously, we'll just give these ones a crack first because, you know, I'd rather see my first response than, you know, as our run by. Very nice. I like. Again, 6.2, Junction Hazy IPA. Pedro, what are you having, sir? Thanks, Kev. I'm having the Hoppin' McElroy from Western Newfoundland Brewing Company. It is 5%. Trying to keep the light still since my baby has still decided not to come yet, even though it's well overdue. Uh, And to be honest, the real reason I got this is because of the format. This is what's called a crowler, which I had never heard of before today. It is a 946 milliliter can. Nice. Called a crowler because it's like a growler, but it's a can. Get it? Get it. <laughs> so it's basically like a king can, would you say? No, it's bigger than a king can for sure. Bigger than a king yeah. can? Wow. Yeah. It's huh. Gigantic. It's massive. Need two hands to hold it. I had to drink <laughs> out of a glass today. It was too complicated. But anyway, it's pretty good so far. First couple of days, straight out of Pasadena, Newfoundland, which I don't think I've ever been to. But it's uh, pretty good. Mr. Josh, what are you drinking for episode one, season two? Oh, this uh, season, I'm leading off with Muskoka Brewery, Hazed and Confused Juicy IPA. It's uh, pretty tasty. I'm sure one of you guys have had this. You know, the last season, season didn't one, but, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I really like this. It's an English style IPA. It's a person with fruity hop aroma, followed by a juicy citrus kick. And it is pretty good. I like it. And it's got, you know, this guy's fucking brains exploding and shit on there. So it's a cool can. Uh, it, I believe, takes the cake today at 6.5%. Or does that tie you, Kev? Is that t- your? No, I'm a 6.62. Six, six oh, shit. That's a that. winner, winner. That's a light dinner. winner. Well played. Well played. Anyway, guys, uh, we're back now. So how were your holidays? Things good? I went as well as they should. Things are good for me, man. Like I said, just waiting for that baby to appear. Just waiting on the baby. Fun stuff. Well, start off season two. Just like to go back and uh, do a little recap of 2021. And I'd like to know what your guys' favorite sports moment ones of 2021. So, Kev, you started off with the uh, drink. Why don't you start us off with your favorite sports moment? Uh, my moment would have been the Atlanta Braves uh, winning the World Series um, with the final game at a 7-0 game. It just uh, whomped them. And uh, it was the last time what I think they won it in 1995. And uh, we had uh, George Soler was named the World Series MVP, which is the second Cuban to win the World Series as an MVP. Which is pretty decent. Nothing wrong with your choice here, Kev. Uh, the Braves were definitely underdogs going into the playoffs. 
and for them to uh, be able to pull it out going through the teams they went through and get the big old W here. Do you even remember who they were playing, Kev? Yeah, they were playing the Asterix. All right, all right. Just thought it might be so long ago, you might not remember. Yeah, well, my age is not, uh, you know, that well <laughs> in remembering, so yeah, I'm getting old. Not dementia hasn't set in yet. Yeah, a little bit. Now, with that being said, in regards to mine here, guys, Peter, who do you have in yours? Well, I'll just uh, introduce mine by saying this. Alfonso Davies! Alfonso Davies, incredible goal versus Panama. Uh, that goal sparked a comeback victory over Panama and the rest of the year of games, which Canada... Uh, which has Canada currently on top of the CONCACAF qualifying and in very good shape for their first World Cup berth since 1986. So on that uh, beautiful play by Davies, uh, he reached a top speed of 37.1 kilometers per hour. Mimi. He covered 40 yards on the chase uh, before the epic steal right off the out-of-bounds line, and he covered 80 yards in total before uh, scoring the goal. Working that comeback against Panama. Alfonso Davis. That was that was that was an absolute phenomenal goal, man. Yeah. I just I was in God watching that too, how he ripped that right off that uh, goal line. The buddy's like throwing his arms up like it was if the out of bounds. Yeah. No nah, man. Great goal. Yeah, and just the state of the Canadian men's national team right now. Looking good. I got my hopes up. So Alfonso Davies is my guy with that goal. Josh. How about yourself? Well, my favorite sports moment of 2021, like you, Pete, it uh, is in the soccer world. And I'm I'm loving the uh, women's Canadian national team uh, winning gold at the Olympics. Score was 1-1 after full time. And then Canada ended up winning 3-2 on PKs. Uh, Christine Sinclair was fouled in the penalty area. And after a video review, uh, awarded Canada with a PK. And uh, just like in the semifinals against the U.S., Jesse Fleming stepped up and scored to make it a 1-1 game. Obviously, Sweden uh, had scored the opening goal of the match at about the 34th minute or so. So to get this tying goal was uh, phenomenal off this PK and then to uh, to pull it out in, in penalties uh, later on was absolutely phenomenal. And these women set out to change the color of their medal from bronze from both uh, London in 2012 and Rio in 2016 and and they did change it. They changed it to a nice, bright, shiny gold. Woo! And it was definitely the uh, the highlight of the Olympics for me, and uh, and the whole the whole year. It was uh, it was awesome. It was great to see these girls, sorry, women, uh, running around and just just celebrating like crazy, just because they had, you know they finally did it. And and for uh, for a veteran like Christine Sinclair too, you know she's not going to be playing for too much longer, and for her to finally get that gold medal is uh, a great achievement. So, yeah, I remember that game. I, I was in the lunchroom at work, and I'm telling you, one. <laughs> I mean, there's not too many people in the lunchroom, but trust me, after uh, the way I hoorahed up, I mean, they were drawing about another five or six people that uh, were out working, coming into the lunchroom to see what the hell I was just screaming and yelling about. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> trust me, you guys know how I can, you know, cheer and holler and whatever else. Yeah, I did that then. Great goal. I mean, like you said, yo, that great penalty kick and the the save unbelievable yeah so 
that's my favorite sports moment. Uh, unfortunately, Jesse is not here because he's a bitch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bitch. We would ask him, bitch. but, uh, you know, it is what it is. He doesn't get his uh, favorite sports moment. And I guess if you guys remember back to episode one of season one, it's not quite a full year ago. We started off our episode with some somber news. Well, we're going to follow in the same footsteps in season two. It's, uh, it's not great to, to start this way, but we did have a passing and Kev's going to start us off that way. Yeah, it's unfortunate. We had the uh, John Madden passes away uh, on December 28th unexpectedly. Now he's done 10 seasons with the Raiders and as well as would be considered Oakland. Um, no losing seasons in that time. He was a broadcaster for three decades on every major sports network. He had a video game put out there in his name. And we all know John was a great coach and even better man. What do you remember about this, uh, this guy? I'm going to tell you guys what I remember with him. Some uh, things is that uh, Madden, one, would never, ever fly anywhere. He always took his tour bus to wherever he had to go. Yep. And my other favorite was thing it about... the Madden uh, Cruiser, I think? I think it was. Yeah. You're correct. I think it was. And um, the only other thing I have in regards to, uh, to Mr. Madden, which uh, they had um, a logo with um, like a logo of John. And it was over at another network's logo during the NFL game. I wish I could remember the teams that they were playing, but I think that was an honest, like, amazing tribute to him as well by removing their logo and putting his logo there. I think it might have been NBC, Kev. It could have been. I don't remember it. Again, I don't remember the team that they were playing, unfortunately. You know, I am getting old. My memory is uh, sliding away a bit. There's that dementia. <laughs> uh, so that's that, that's that's what i got in regards to remembering of madden yeah for me when i think of the name madden first thing that always comes to mind is the the game the video game yeah um just because when i grew up that was that was the game you wanted to play you wanted to play against your friends you wanted to kick their ass and you have to spin man spin broke a few controllers when you didn't quite <laughs> win <laughs> well, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but when I think of the man, to me, it's I, he's a broadcaster. He was I wasn't around when he was a coach, um, and he's he's a broadcaster to me. That's when I think of John Madden. That's what I think of, and I think he, he like personifies football. He is he is football, and uh, it's a big loss for the sport. Yeah, not just a big loss for the sport, but for the world in general. This this man was, you know, he wasn't just a great coach; he was an even better man. Um, and it was he was always going out there to try and, you know, give advice and and whatnot to all these young players coming up through the through the works and whatnot, and trying to keep them on the right path uh, if they were potentially uh, veering off. But uh, for me, I, I agree with you, Pete. You know, it, it's got to be the video game. Cause that's, you know, like you said, that's what we played. That's he played the video game and, you know, I, I wasn't watching football too much when he was coaching. Although, you know, I know through, you know, watching, you know, episodes uh, or just uh, shows and whatnot that he was a very good coach, but never got to see it with my own two eyes uh, live. So the video game for me, for sure. And then just some of the goofy things that he says, and it was like, just so funny. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta make sure, you know, 
All right, he's going to hit the A-gap here. Bam! There's the defense right in his face. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so just shit like that, you know. And uh, I always liked it. I remember one. I can't remember if it was just if I've just seen like replays of it or if it was if I was watching it live with my own eyes. But I remember he was talking about the fucking turducken, <laughs> which is a turkey stuffed with a chicken stuffed with a fucking duck. And for whatever reason, they didn't have a fucking knife. And this guy, he just takes his fucking hand and he just fucking <laughs> cuts it right down the breast with his fucking hand. He's like, I don't need no knife. I got a fucking hand. Uh, I'll never forget that. Just just the some of the goofy things that he would say is, you know, if you score more points, you're going to win the game. <laughs> you know? And, so, and I, I don't know. I, I just a lot of that probably came from the video game. These these short little you know it's yeah little things that you hear and you kind of poke fun at and whatnot but uh yeah john was a he was a great a great man great for football and the football world won't be the same but a lot of uh, a lot of players had sent out you know well wishes to his family and and whatnot and and you know tweeted out this that and the other thing and, and it was a lot a lot of players you know he impacted their lives in one way or another it's just sad to see him go, especially, you know, it wasn't, uh, it, it's always sad, of course, when somebody passed away, but it's when it's un- unexpected, like it was, it, uh, it hurts a little more. And especially being an icon, you know, but anyway, let's move on from this somber news. I mean, it doesn't get a whole lot better with what you're going to tell us about Pete, but it's, uh, at least it's not death. Yeah. Um, we're talking the world juniors. Um, so we start by recapping the short amount of tournament we did get to see. Uh, starting with Owen Power, showing us why he was the number one pick in 2021, uh, putting up the first ever hat trick by a defenseman in Canadian World Junior history in a 6-3 win against Czechia. I think it's Czechia now, not Czech Republic anymore. I'm not sure on the rules 100%, but Czechia. Czechia. Um, and then the next game, Connor Bedard. Became the youngest player ever to score four goals in a World Junior Hockey Championship game. And four goals is also the record for most most goals in a game by any Canadian uh, in the tournament. And Bedard was very close to scoring five near the end of that game. Shouldn't have passed that puck, man. He would have had it. And uh, he's doing all this at only 16 years old. Right. Uh, so it's very likely that Canada had on this team the 2021 first overall pick in Owen Power, the 2022 likely first overall pick in Shane Wright, and the 2023 likely first overall pick in Connor Bedard. So a team full of number one picks. Uh, unfortunately, their tournament got cut short. But what did you guys think of their uh, – performances in the short action we did see from him once i saw that um i guess the bedard got in there because of um a suspension or something like that or an injury i can't i don't know which one i know there's a suspension or an injury but wow 16 years old and does what he did i mean he says he uh tried to perfect his uh, shot like he does austin matthews i mean he just has a great whip man that wrist shot that bend of that stick unbelievable the moves, the, the the skill this guy has for between, you know, skate the the puck, to skate the stick, his vision's just unbelievable. 
I mean, this guy's going to be something. I mean, he's got a few more years left in the uh, World Juniors, so look out for that guy. Uh, he may not, though. He, yeah. yeah. He's like 16, no, right? I know, he's still got years. But he's, he's too good, though. Yeah. He may, he'll probably be there next year. Um, but after that, he's going to be on an NHL team. He's going to be – they won't let him come play. Same as what happens to Canada all the time. They don't have players – now, wasn't there a player that actually stayed and went to state in college so he can actually partake in this World's uh, Juniors? I don't remember that kid's name. Well, that'd be Owen Power. Like Was it Owen Power? Yeah. yeah. He could be on Michigan. He could be on the Sabres right now, yeah, but he's playing with Michigan. Right. Back in Michigan. And did you also see guys, too? I'm not sure if you heard, but um, when they all went back into their actually, you know, AHLs, OHLs, that Bedard actually put it up another four goals, four points. He's a fucking rock star, man. <laughs> yep. Now, Kev, I gotta know. What did you think of his natural hat trick in this game? Okay, natural hat trick. I mean, three goals, three goals. I mean, he got two in the first, one in the third. But he got two goals with no one else scoring a goal. There's three goals, sorry, with nobody else scoring. Yeah, that's a natural hat trick. Yeah, it is a natural hat trick. But I mean, if you go by from what I've heard on the the TV television that they stated that the actual true natural hat trick is three in a period. That, But then as, but then as everybody was showing on the, our nice little chat, that in regards says, but another natural hat trick would be scoring three goals in a row. So therefore it's still considered a natural hat trick. Yes. That's what, what I, what I would call the far more common definition of a natural hat trick is just three in a row. Regardless of what period they're in, I agree. I would call if they've got them all in a in one period. I would call that a supernatural hat trick. But they don't call it a supernatural when it happens. Maybe they, they just call it a natural. Just call it a natural. Fucking get the word out there, boys. Yours from PMP says supernatural hat trick. Yeah. So Kev, riddle me this: If Bedard scores then somebody else scores, but then Bedard scores two more times all in one period. Is that a natural hat trick? Not if someone else scored prior to him doing it. Do you think it's got to be the supernatural? Well, if anybody scores before, before he scores his other two or another one, it's not considered a natural hat trick. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a hat trick, right? Yeah. Um, hat tricks aside we can argue about this all night <laughs> and we haven't even got into it <laughs> but all three of these guys you know we you didn't see a whole lot of breakout uh from shane Wright, but the other two Owen power and connor bedard were just just absolutely amazing and you know it's funny because they there was a lot of talk about you know through the first couple of games or first game or so, whatever. They played two games or three games? Two, the game. two games. I think it was two games. Yeah. So I guess it would, must have just been through the first game, and they were saying, well, where's Connor? Where's Connor? He hasn't uh, He hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't shown up with a score sheet. And then the next night or two nights later, whatever, and he lights it right up. And, and like you said, Kev, his uh, his abilities are very good. He's he's very well uh, rounded in, in all those aspects you talked about, his stick handling and uh, his skating is phenomenal. But I think for me, it's his vision. It's the vision and the awareness that it's that is the stuff that's hard to teach that you know you can you can teach stick handling sure you're gonna have a natural ability 
but you can be, you can learn to be better. But the, the vision, the awareness is a tough thing to teach. And it's a tough thing to, uh, to get to gain if you don't have it already. So for him to be able to, uh, to see the ice and I'm, I'm it's, seems like the game has slowed down no that's exactly what i was gonna say i mean like i've had moments when i've been in sports where it just seems like everything just fucking slowed down and you see it before it happens and i'm sure that that happens to a lot with these um with these kids growing up now i mean they just they mean yeah this guy must have some kind of capability to take a deep breath and have everything just go slow-mo and maybe the first game was just like, okay, this is the biggest stage of my career, this biggest stage of my life, this is the biggest game of my life, you know, playing for Team Canada, even though it is just a round robin game. And maybe he was just a little uh, gun shy, and then he's like, all right, I got my feet underneath me now, I got the feel for things, and let's go light it up. And he fucking did. So yeah. And if he didn't pass the puck, he could have had fucking five. Yeah. And and he could have beat could he beat Gretzky? And how hard that is as a sixteen-year-old when the tournament is mostly eighteen and nineteen-year-olds. Like, yep. like we saw Connor McDavid at this tournament as a 16 year old. He didn't do this. Mm-hmm. Like this is some serious, extremely high level hockey we're seeing at a Connor Bedard. Yeah. From my understanding too, from what I've heard that he actually had an agent approach his um, family his, his mother and father at 10 years old. So this guy, this guy's going to be something. Can you imagine having an agent knocking your door, talking about your 10 year old kid? No, I cannot. That's something. That is fucking something. Get your kid in hockey there, Pete. Start him, yeah. start him young. Yeah. Boy, boy, I got to go, go buy some skates. I just got to wait for his bo- to be born to see if they're pink or blue. Yeah. <laughs> either, either or, but there's an NHL for the ladies, and there's an NHL, obviously, for our men. So, either, either or, they can definitely go somewhere in hockey. Yeah. So, Josh, you mentioned that uh, we didn't see much out of Shane Wright, and I I think that's just because it was such a short tournament. It's two games. It was, we only saw yeah. two games. We saw a great game at Owen Power. We saw a great game at O'Connor Bedard. Maybe the next game, Shane Wright would have let it up. Yep. Uh, but unfortunately, the tournament got cut short. As we know, um, things took a turn for the worst when the U.S. had to forfeit their game against Switzerland on the Tuesday, the 28th. And then the next day, both Russia and Czechia forfeited games. And that same day, the tournament uh, was announced that it was canceled. And that was a sad day for me because I was enjoying watching this. Oh, buddy, I watch that religiously every year. Yeah. But there may be hope still. Uh, IIHF President Luke Tardif uh, discussed the possibility of completing the tournament in June, July, or August. Uh, further discussions are to be held this month. And he said, we're going to take the next month to think about it and maybe come with a good surprise. So a question for you two. Do you think they will complete the tournament? And if so, how do you think Canada will finish, given what we saw out of the two short games? I don't think it's happening. I don't think they're going to continue it. And, and like, say if they do continue it, are they going to start it like a brand new? Is everything at zeros? Or are they going to still have your Canada's with the two wins and everybody else with their wins or losses? I mean, or again, is it starting as a new tournament? If that's the case, then I, I still see Canada just dominating. Yeah, those are those are all good questions because we don't know. Like, there may not be the same player availability later. Of course, because ages, right? So if you have to change up your roster, uh, it doesn't make sense to just restart the whole tournament. 
may be. We didn't get very deep into it. Um, yeah. But if you're losing some to age, that just sucks. I mean. Yeah. I mean, would they have an exemption for players because they aged out? If they, like, they, I, they might say as long as you were of age at the beginning of the, the, the tournament. original tournament, then you'd be fine. I, I would think. You would hope. I, I would think yeah. so, too. I don't think they're going to do it either, Kev. I just, just the way that they just shut it down. Like they shut not just the men's tournament, but like the women's tournament was shut down real fucking quick. Uh, that not, that's not juniors, but uh, there was under 18. I think it was, wasn't it? Wasn't under 18. Okay. So, and they, there was no talk of that even like, Nope, we're canceling a boom. And then there was huge outcry. And then other uh, entities stepped up to say that we would host and this, that, the other thing. And then, this came down with the men and then it was, everything was shut down. So obviously that would kibosh to everything. I just don't think that the WHAF is going to pull that out. Um, maybe, maybe well, I, I have my doubts if they did uh, re 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 upped it, whether they restart or uh, continue, my guess is probably, I'm going to say they continue, but the forfeited games won't be, won't count. Yeah. So the so the U.S. and the the Russians there, um, and they're gonna else, have to play. They would get the to play that game again. I agree. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think I think that's gonna be the case there. And whether they carry on this year with it uh, or it ends up being kibosh and we just roll into next year, either way, Canada's win the next one. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, this you speak confidently, but keep in mind it's been. Uh... It's been us, the Finns, or the States trading off victories in this tournament. I know when that happened this year. Which is what we love about this tournament, that it can it can go any way, any year. Because, mm-hmm. like, if you remember last year, uh, last year's team looked a lot better than this year's team did so far based on their uh, performance. Like, that team never trailed a game right up until the gold medal game. Uh, but they also never faced any adversity because of that. They just dominated everyone they saw until they lost in the gold medal game. So uh, right away, this team had already trailed uh, against Czechia. And they called a fucking timeout. And what did they do after that? They exploded, man. Yeah. And they didn't score anything after. So does that mean the team is not as good? I don't know. Maybe that's... Maybe they just need a kick in the ass every now and then. That's all. Yeah, maybe that's the adversity they needed to... Uh, to learn how to win when it gets tough. I don't know. It would be interesting to see. I hope they I hope they find a way to get it done. I think if it's going to be hard to find a scheduled time that works for everybody, but I think the kids want to do it. The people want to watch it. So I think it is going to happen. Well, you got some high wishes there, Pedro. Might as well be optimistic. It's early in the year, you know. I'll be a pessimist around October. We got a little bit of more hockey coming up later. I know Kevin's got a little bit of a connection here between the world juniors and our, our next hockey topic here. So I'll let, I'll let Kev get into that a little later, but uh, I know he was, he was itching at uh, itching to talk about it uh, yesterday. So, um, but that's uh, neither here nor there. Well, uh, we're talking about the world juniors and, and our next, uh, next segment here. So, our MVP, 
Our first MVP of season two goes to a former Raptor, now a Chicago Bull, DeMar DeRozan. So DeMar has led the Bulls to nine straight wins. The 10th game is uh, today against the Mavs. Not sure how that went or if it's over yet. Uh, It's probably just in the first or second quarter right now. Uh, He's averaged 27.6 assists and four rebounds over that span. He is Bulls in first place in the Eastern Conference with a record of 26 and 10, two games up on the Nets. And the real reason, the real uh, cake topper here that got him into the MVP this week, on New Year's Eve, the Rosen made NBA history by being the first player to hit walk-off buzzer beaters in back-to-back games. DeRozan beat the Pacers with an end-of-game winner on the 31st and followed it up the very next game with a last-second three to beat the Wizards. They were both threes, I think, were they not? They were. They were. One was a pump fake and just unbelievable. I mean, the the way that the the Bulls gathered and jumped on them, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the first one. Like, the first one, it was like, holy shit, it's a fucking game-ending buzzer beater three. Yeah. This never happens. This is crazy. And it happens again the very next game. Very same guy. DeMar DeRozan. I always liked him when he was with the Raps. Me too, man. He was one of my favorite guys. Yeah. I think he. this might be another uh, point in NBA history. It's the first time that there's been buzzer beaters in back-to-back games in back-to-back years. So because it was over. Because no, it... it was in 21 and 22. <laughs> so... Which is kind of cool, too. Yeah. A little bit of uh, off-the-cuff trivia there. Yeah. The DeMar is currently first place in NBA All-Star voting for East backcourt players. And don't forget about your boy, Freddie Van Vliet, people of the world for East backcourt players as well. But our MVP is DeMar DeRozan. Going back-to-back, game winners, never done before. So DeMar DeRozan. Cheers. Season two, episode one, MVP. MVP. Now, why don't we roll into what's going on on the pitch with TFC? Foosball. Foosball. The foosball. Well, we got some pretty big news. Big enough news that it uh, it reaches the PMP audience. We're not uh, huge on this uh, soccer stuff uh, in season one, but uh, I have a feeling that's going to change throughout season two with this signing. So TFC has announced a record-breaking pre-contract with Italian winger Lorenzo Insigne. The contract is, a, you know, it's ballparked at four years at upwards of $15 million U.S. per season plus bonuses, which is... Uh, Pretty hefty. That's, for- that's way more than any other MLS contract. Yeah, it's pretty hefty. Like double. <laughs> so the timing of this uh, of Insigne's pending arrival is is fitting the sports taking hold of the country like never before. As we talked about, the national women's team coming off the Olympic gold medal performance, while the men are on the verge of their first World Cup berth since '86, and Canada will co-host the 2026 World Cup. So this is it's huge. This timing it's going to draw a whole lot more fans there's already a ton of fans in canada with soccer and with our uh, 
you know, diverse background of how many nationalities we have here. Um, and so everybody loves their, their teams, you know, their Portugal's, their Spain's, their, uh, Italy and so on and so forth. So to have this superstar and that's, that's a good way to put it. He's a, he's a superstar to have him, to be able to come over is just insane for, for Toronto. He is currently playing with Napoli. Uh, he will be joining TFC in, uh, I believe it's July. And uh, so 14, 416 caps with Napoli. He's got 114 goals and 95 assists. That's pretty good. That's really good. <laughs> That's pretty good. You know, in the past, he's in the Serie B champion and he was footballer of the year. Super Copa Italiana champ. UEFA Euro champ this past uh, tournament 2020. Two times Copa Italia champ. And he was the Copa Italia top goal scorer in 2013 and 2014. This is really big news. Um, when I first uh, heard about this, you know, not being the uh, m- massive TFC fan that I should be, I used to be a lot bigger fan when they first started out. I was going to a handful of games every year and whatnot. So I would have been a lot more excited about this. But uh, after reading into this, I'm, I'm back on the excite train. I think this is going to be really good. Uh, I've talked to my soccer insider, Kev, last year. You had a curling insider. So I, I spoke to my soccer insider, and he says this is a big deal. He says, if you thought Giovenko coming into the MLS and taking over and basically being one of the best in MLS history, you think he was good? Wait till you see this guy. I was about to ask you that. I was going to say, who is, who's going to be the better guy? I mean, is it going to be Giovenko or this guy? But you obviously answered that, Yosh. I mean, if your insider is as good as your insider is, which I think we all know your insider is pretty, you know, good. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be good now, you know, they need to build a, a little bit more around him. They're going to, they're gonna likely going to lose Josie Altador. Uh, they're likely going to have to move him because of this signing, but that's okay. He doesn't seem to want to play in Toronto anyway. So fuck him. Um, but there's definitely some other things they need to do. You know, they need to bolster the defense. There's no question about that. Um, and it wouldn't hurt maybe to uh, to bring in a, a center forward type thing so that uh, Insigne can pass in the ball and could get some assists going on. Um, a little bit more vision of the field, kind of. Well, just somebody else to help them all, right? Like there's there's a few other guys. Um, I can't remember their names. One starts with an S and one starts with a P. <laughs> I cannot remember their names offhand because uh, that's how I do. My dementia is uh, coming in. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, but they're, they're helpers, but they, they need a little bit more, uh, you know, basically one guy isn't going to, isn't going to catapult this team into stardom. So they, they need to get a few other guys supporting cast type guys and maybe other one, you know, maybe one more superstar that doesn't get quite paid quite as much. Um, to help out. So I got two questions for you guys regarding TFC and the signing. So one, I would like to know what you guys think the signing is going to do for TFC next year. So where are they going to, where are they going to finish in the table? Do they make the playoffs? Do they win it to win the whole thing? Do they not make the playoffs? Are they still the worst team in the league? Uh, so what do you guys think on that? And then, uh, second to that, what do you think the signing is going to do for soccer in Canada? As I had mentioned, um, with the Canada co-hosting the 2026 cup and all this crazy good stuff that's happening in soccer for, for Canada, where do you think uh, Canadian soccer or soccer in Canada is going to go from here? Yeah. 
So for TFC, you mentioned Giovinco, and this signing has so many stark comparisons to the Giovinco signing, mm-hmm. uh, at least to me. Um, not just that they're both Italian, but it, it's just, it seems that it's a very similar sort of high profile superstar signing coming to TFC. Except for their age. Yes. Yes. He's quite a bit older than Giovinco was when he came over, for sure. Um, so, and uh, I don't well, have you any... know what, you know what, Pete, before you carry on, I'm going to challenge you. I think it's the other way around. I think Lorenzo's younger. No way. What... Boom. Here we go. First challenge. Easy season answer. two, season one. Yeah, All right. From when they came over, like, I'm pretty sure Lorenzo's like 30, 31. Giovinco was like 20 when he came over. No. Yeah, buddy. Huh. All right. Well, there's our first challenge anyway. <laughs> if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Whatever it is, what it is. Anyway, carry on with your. Uh... Just want to point out I won the first challenge last well, week. We got to Google this shit. All right. Because there was talks about Giovinco coming back, and that'd be sick. Those talks fell through. Oh, because they went with Insigne. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a very similar. Uh, at least I hope it'll be very similar to when Giovinco came in terms of success for TFC. Um, I don't know what it's going to mean this year. Hopefully, they make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to win it all this year. But I think uh, within a couple of years they should be on top of uh, on top of the MLS again. I want to see that. If this guy's as good as he is, says he is from your insider there, Yosh, I don't see him making it like you said, Pedro. But I also don't see them being on the bottom feeder. They're not bottom bottom feeders this year. And, and if we regards to what Soccer Canada, what this this watching this skill of talent that the TFC had and can have is only going to help Canadian soccer because all these kids now are watching it. Yeah, for sure. So in a vacuum, I think this does a bit for soccer in Canada, but while the Canadian men's national team is doing as well as they are, and this signing coming to TFC in Canada's biggest city, um, I think soccer is going to do a huge spike in terms of popularity in this country. Now, I think Josh and I had a little bit of a powwow in regards to possibly the best Canadian or soccer that was out there. And I mentioned that, you know, Pele did at one time play. I'm not saying it's the MLS, but they, he played in what that was considered or what brought the MLS together, which, you know, does help bring more fans and then that's why the uh, toronto blizzards are now considered the uh, toronto fc i mean they're definitely it's not the same franchise but, right but like you said i think it was the nwsl i want to say probably i think that's what it may have been well that was a long time come, ago though i'm gonna yep. come right in and say it and i assume much of our audience is in the same boat as i'm in this is the first time I've heard any of this or heard of that league at all. <laughs> Toronto, the Toronto Blizzards? Yeah. yeah. No, Toronto had one way back when. I think it was back in close to the 80s. I think the, the Blizzards were playing. Yeah. Or had a team. Hmm. Well, Pete, I looked it up, and you weren't quite as right as you thought you were. But I was right. pretty close, though. I was You're pretty right. close. So 
And Zinye is, he's 31, I believe. Did I, he's 30 years old. And Giovanko in 2015, when he joined, was 28. Oh, really? Ooh. Wow. But this guy is, uh, I mean, he's, yeah, he's probably at the, you could say it's at the tail end of his prime, but he's going to, uh, he's going to light it up here. And it's, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch soccer again. And hopefully they can uh, give him some, a supporting cast that can help him uh, put goals in, in that net and maybe get some defense that can, uh, can help save some as well. So. Absolutely. Okay, so as mentioned before, uh, I had said that we had some more hockey news coming up. And uh, I know that Kev definitely wanted to, he's going to mention something a little bit once Pete gets through his uh, his intro to this. Um, so Pete, why don't you take us into the next round of hockey? Yeah, we are talking about the NHL pulling out of the Olympics. Uh, which are scheduled to start, I think, less than a month from now. I could be wrong, but it's very soon. Uh, so the NHL announced on December 22nd that the season had been materially disrupted by COVID-19 and enacted a clause that allowed the league to cancel the NHL players' involvement in the 2022 Olympics. Now, that rubbed a lot of players the wrong way because in the last CBA negotiations, the players bargained for the right to choose for themselves if they went to the Olympics or not. Uh, but the material disruption clause allowed the NHL to essentially supersede that right. Uh, and that's because the NHL intends to use the Olympic break time to play all or most of the games that have been postponed uh, due to COVID-19. So I'm just going to read a tweet from Brad Marchand about this. He said, the NHL and NHLPA can change the rules of the CBA to add a taxi squad so that they don't miss any games and don't lose any money, which has already been agreed upon that the players will pay back in escrow until the owners are made whole from what they have lost during this pandemic, regardless of how many games are missed. Yet they can't do a taxi squad during the Olympics so they can honor the agreement they made so the NHL players can go. Please tell me that's not bullshit. And for all of you who want to pipe back about forfeiting pay while being gone, yeah, not a problem. Let the players make their choice. And it was also brought up on uh, Hockey Night in Canada on Elliot uh, Friedman uh, that the players are looking for loopholes. Uh, talking to some, he said that one of the things a few of them asked was, could we retire? or find some way to void our contracts, go play in the Olympics, and find a way to come re-sign with their former team. Wow. Which is definitely not going to happen. The NHL is not going to allow that. No chance. But do you guys agree with the decision made here by the NHL? Yep. 100%. Why? Are you going to really chance to have someone going over there and catching the vid? Now you're there for five weeks? Like, like say Connor goes over. You know, Ovechkin, all these all these big marquee players in the NHL go over and they catch the vid. They're there for five weeks. But should that not be up to them the way they bargained for? If they want to go over there, play Olympic hockey. But are you, are you, you as a GM, are you going to allow them to go? I mean, do you really want to have that risk of them going over? I, I wouldn't. No, of course not. 
but that's why the players bargain for this to be their choice. Uh, but the NHL, um, yeah, Bettman backed out because Bettman said, "Yeah, you guys can have your players this year," and then said, "Nope." Yeah, there's essentially a a, a backup clause there that if things go to shit, he can pull the plug on them going to the Olympics, which is exactly what happened. And it makes sense. It makes sense that they're going to use that time to fill all the games that have been postponed. That piece makes sense for sure. The way I see the Olympics, though, the Olympics should not be in regards to multi-million dollar paid players to go. If anything that should be happening in this situation, you should be sending the World Juniors over. You can't finish that tournament. Why don't you just sit there and put them in the, the Olympics? I mean, they're not hurting their farm teams. Because they got several players that can play without them not being there, COVID or not, if they catch it there. Send these little fuckers over there. Show us what they can do. Because, I mean, they're doing well. So why not sit there and show the whole world what you're all about? But So if you're the GM of the, I don't know, the Peterborough Peets for just an OHL team that comes to mind. Um, Our fucking Rangers wouldn't have come to mind first. Sure, Kitchener Rangers. <laughs> London and Knights. London Knights, whatever. And you have a member of your team wants to go play in the Olympics with the World Juniors. Don't you want to say no? Right. So from an Olympic stand, or sorry, from an NHL standpoint, from a team standpoint, this is the decision that they want. They don't want, they have to protect their assets. The team especially, they're not going to, you know, you're not going to throw away, like I said, Kev, maybe they're stuck there for five weeks. So you don't want to throw away, essentially throw away your NHL season, depending on who you're missing off of your team, you know, uh, because of this. So I understand where the NHL and, and the, uh, the teams are coming from, but I also see where Brad Marchant and the players are coming from. Like it is a CBA. We did sign it this way. We are, it should be our choice to go or not. I like that he's saying we'll we'll forfeit the pay, and that's cool too. I think that's a great uh, incentive to try and get the NHL uh, and the NHLPA to let them go. Um, Where's this World Cup? I mean, like bring the bring that back. Bring your bring your multi million dollar player hockey and make a World Cup. Let that be said in regards to your best on best. Yeah, so I, I was going to exactly get into this point. Since they're not going to the Olympics, the, the best NHL players, and we haven't seen best on best um, since, I guess, the World Cup in 2016, but really the Sochi Olympics in 2014. Um, and the World Cup wasn't, uh, there wasn't that much of an appetite for it in 2016 because we had just seen the Olympics a couple of years previous with best on best. Now it's been whatever it's been eight years since Sochi. I think the appetite is a lot more, like you said, Kev, for another World Cup now to get some best on best international hockey than it was when they did the last World Cup in 2016. Yeah, man, nothing like having like a pass from Lemieux to Gretzky, or vice versa, way back when when they played that in Hamilton, I think it was. That's what I'd like to see. I mean, that's to me is like 
something that should be done all the time. Don't send these guys over to the Olympics. Again, these, these people going to the Olympics are the up and coming. We want to see these people that are up and coming, not people that we already watch every day in the NHL. No, I, I disagree. Like the, the Olympics for what it's worth just means more. If, for, if, if team Canada wins at the world cup versus winning at the Olympics, I care a lot more that they win at the Olympics. Yeah. yeah, but do you still want to see the NHLers though? But that's what I'm getting at. I mean, yes. these kids. Yes. I think it's the up and coming kids that should be going to these things. I mean, you don't see a track player that's making millions and millions of dollars running 200 meters to the 100 meter. That's because track is in a multi million dollar business, right? You see tennis players; they're multi millionaires. They're playing then, there. Then I died. I disagree. Then they should not be there. Didn't mm. they just put golf in this past year in Tokyo, and those superstars were there for golf? I just don't. I just don't think that multi-million-dollar players should be doing this because this should be again to me bringing up the other best. But That's the Olympics all. is, is supposed to be the best athlete in exactly. that in that genre of sport. So whether it's hockey, whether it's weightlifting, or fucking skeet shooting, like if you're the best, you're the best. You should be there. You know. Yeah. Now, typically, yeah. they were amateur athletes back in the day. They used to be amateur athletes, so that was before. That's before these pros, the NHL type players would be allowed to go because those guys are pros as opposed to the amateurs. But that has since changed. I have no problem with, with NHL players. I, I don't want to watch this Olympic tournament with who's the biggest fucking name that we're going to have on our team? Fucking Eric Oldman Stahl? Actually, like, no, he, he's in the NHL. He won't be there. Probably uh, what I've heard is that Owen Power might actually want to go to the Olympics. Okay, so that's so, cool. He'd probably be the biggest name there. <laughs> but that's what I mean. So there's any guys that used to play, you know, like yeah, yeah. you might get like a Derek fucking Roy. <laughs> like, exactly. So what do we want? We don't want to watch him. You know, no. like, Kev, I, I, you know, I get what you're saying about bringing the, the world juniors in. We talked about this a bit last night. Um, but they're the best at 16 to 18 or, you know, and, and as, the Peterborough Pete's or the Kitchen Rangers. If you have this, the, the, one of these superstars, superstar young guys on your OHL team, or you've, they've already been drafted and they're owned by an NHL team. Now, are you going to let, are you going to let Connor Bedard go and play against men? Like Connor's still a small guy. Like sure. He's big, but he's not like, he's not as big as you and me. Did Austin, Math- Austin Matthews right. did not do that. Didn't he? I mean, Austin Matthews didn't go through the OHL, AMHL, or AHL, or Quebec Major Junior. He was, he was, he was at that age. Well, he was at 18? Yeah. I'm just saying, you don't want... There's a big difference between 16 and 18. And and if if a guy like Bedard or Powers gets fucking demolished in the corner or something and gets hurt, like, obviously injuries can happen anytime to anyone. But you're, to me, when you put a younger kid like this in harm, you're putting him in harm's way by, by... putting them up against bigger, stronger men who have played the game for many more years and know the international game and the Olympic uh, type game. I, I just think you're, you're not protecting your assets as, as a general manager, as a team uh, and even, even uh, as a PA. Yeah. And even back to the COVID problem, like if, if Connor Bedard goes to the Olympics and gets COVID and is there for five weeks, I don't know what the CHL yeah. team he plays for. He's not hurting his team, but, he's not, but he's yes, not hurting. He is. What do you mean? He's Connor Bedard. You don't think not having him there for five weeks hurts the team? Yeah, for sure. For sure. 
Like he won't be playing in the NHL. No, but, he's but, in the but his AHL or his OHL team will be, they'll definitely be fuckered. Yeah. Right? And I mean, they're still in the business to try and win. Right. Absolutely. So it's, it's one of those things. What do you do? Right. Like, like I said, I, will I watch some random Olympic hockey with Derek Roy as our captain? Maybe. <laughs> I'm using Derek Roy. Obviously if if it's on <laughs> and nothing else is on. I just think exactly. they should cancel it. Just cancel the Olympics. I mean, wait till it's actually, you know, good enough to be able They're to be afforded. Nah. Okay, so here's another question now. And uh, Batman has mentioned this, that he is he is lobbying for the double IHF, or sorry, it'd be the IOC, excuse me, uh, to move hockey to the Summer Olympics. Now, this, the hockey, right, I know, that's, that's exactly <laughs> the face that I gave. Hockey debuted in whatever year in the Olympics, and it was in the Summer Olympics when it debuted. So they are, he's lobbying or, or attempting to, or at least he put some feelers out there to try and get them to move hockey to the Summer Olympics so that all the NHL players can always go because it'll be in the off season and whatnot. And then that way they, that way soon we could get another best on best Olympic style competition. See, I don't mind that because they're not getting paid in the summer. Go ahead. Well, I mean, even if whether they get, I think they shouldn't get paid to begin with. That's they should. There, it's a volunteer. I want to go to the Olympics. I'm good enough to make it, and I should. You should have forfeit your pay. I, I think that would be the way to do it. Saves the fucking team's money, but not that money's a big fucking problem. But um, so, what do you guys think about this? Like, do you, like have you so you like that idea? You think that uh, that the summer would be all right? Like, I think it's a little odd. It is very odd because the ice is not going to be all that spectacular. Well, why not? It's indoors. It's indoors, yeah. <laughs> the temperature still is going to affect in regards to your stadium. No, technology, no, yeah. It's, it's not fucking right. people leave gardens in the fucking 70s. Yeah, exactly. All right. <laughs> all right. See, I'm stuck in that area, man. My, my, guy, my bad, guys. My bad. <laughs> um, yeah, my first, my first, I've never heard that before. My first take on that is that that's odd. Yeah. That's weird. But it might make it a whole lot of sense. There might be a lot of reason to that to push it to the summers, and yeah. then it can always happen. Write a letter, Yosh. I mean, write a letter. We should all write a letter uh, and put stamp T and P all over it and say, "Hey, fuckers, try this." I assume you heard that somewhere, and it's not just. I saw a fucking press conference with yeah. uh, with uh, that was back when you said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting thought, you know. I mean, it's it seems stupid because it's summer and it's a winter fucking game but it it does at first but it it's feasible you know would it make sense to uh to do that you know i mean it definitely wor- works for the nhl 100 percent works for them works for the players it's just goofy that you're gonna have uh it's just goofy that you're gonna have hockey in summer right? and it's not field hockey so. yeah you'll be watching fucking swimming and then ah, oh, the hockey game starting. Great. Exactly, exactly. So, Penny, you're great, but see ya. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, guys, time's winding down here, so I think we should move on into our penalty boxes. Kev, you got a pretty good one here. Why don't you fire us up? Well, if you guys haven't noticed, every time I have some kind of silly penalty box, I do put up like a little link so you can kind of you know see what's going on. 
So what I have here, man, I have um, during the uh, during a contest in the Mexican Pacific Baseball League, umpire Herberto Siez had to be removed from the field after following officials, being that he was drunk out of his mind. So Mr. Siez had a few too many wobbly pops before the game as a pregame, you know, ritual, I guess, for him. There's nothing quite like a nicey cold beer watching a baseball game, except maybe not to do that as you're one of the umpires. There is a simply uh, no one in the stadium that Sanchez obviously was hammered as shit, starts flipping off everybody in regards to, you know, down the first baseline. And just before everything's getting ready under go, he flips off the fucking home base umpire. And here we go. So then they go ahead and kind of remove them. Now, it took some time to remove him off the field because he's fucking hammered and he thinks he's not doing anything wrong. But in the video, you see him standing there. He is staggering a bit. He is doing a little bit of the wobble. Yeah. So with regards to that, man, some umpires, I tell you, they try to get away with murder. And this guy here definitely was not getting away with murder. How'd they find out he was drunk? Was he just making terrible calls? Like oh. ball way off the plate. That's a strike. I, I have no idea what was. I think it was him flipping off the fans in the first row. Oh, he did that before he was getting kicked out. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was just that drunk, and then he was like flipping off. I guess of the home plate umpire. So he wasn't at home. I think he was either first base or off third. the. Yeah, third. Yeah, one of these lines. First, first or third base dump. Yeah, man. He had to remove him. It was pretty comical. If you haven't seen the video, it's there. We can look at it later or now. Either or. But that's who I have in my box. You drunk fuck. Get off the field. Drink after the game, not before. Come on. <laughs> Pedro, who are you throwing into yours? Yeah, so in my box is Mr. Antonio Brown for his outburst against the Jets, taking off his pads, running off the field in the middle of the game where they were losing. They came back to win. Uh, so he was cut afterwards. But on the bright side, he will not be fined by the NFL for uniform conduct misbehavior, which he very well could have been. So that was nice of him. He has since said that he did not quit. He was cut. So a statement from him is that I took a seat on the sideline and my coach came up to me very upset and shouted, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? I told him it's my ankle, but he knew that. It was well documented. We had discussed it. He then ordered me to get on the field. I said, coach, I can't. He didn't call for medical attention. Instead, he shouted at me, you're done. He ran his finger across his throat. <laughs> coach is telling me that if I didn't play hurt, then I was done with the Bucks. As part of their ongoing cover-up, they are acting like I wasn't cut and now demanding that I see a doctor of their choice to examine my ankle. What they did, not knowing until now, is that on Monday morning, I had an urgent MRI on my ankle. It shows broken bone fragments stuck in my ankle and the ligament torn from the bone and cartilage loss, which are beyond painful. You can see the bone bulging from the outside. Once my surgery is complete, I'll be back to 100% and looking forward to next season. Business going to be booming. Uh, so we also said that uh, apparently they had injected him with a very strong painkiller that's apparently not supposed to be used anymore. Um, 
but not, that has not been confirmed. Uh, so Bruce Arians' response to the statement, the head coach of the Bucks, at no point in time during that game did he ever ask the trainer or doctor about his ankle. That's the normal protocol. You go through protocols during games. I was never notified of it. So obviously, that was the disturbing thing when we were looking for him to go back into the game. He was very upset at halftime about who was getting targeted. We got that calmed down. The players took care of that. It started again on the sideline. We called for the personnel group that he had played in the entire game, and he refused to go into the game. That's when I looked back and saw him basically wave off the coach. Then I went back and approached him about what was going on. I ain't playing. What's going on? I ain't getting the ball. That's when I said, you're done. Get the F out of here. That's the end of it. We are working on Carolina. So I don't know who's right and who's wrong in this situation. He said, she said. My opinion, they're both kind of goofs. Arians went to the podium looking like he was straight out of Duck Dynasty at one point. (laughs) (laughs) But for just doing a strip tease during the middle of a game and bouncing and running off the field, piecing the fans. That's not the way to handle yourself, man. No. So Antonio Brown, whether you're right or wrong here, you're in my penalty box. That's not the way to handle it. I, I, I give Evans at least the kudos to try. You know, he tried twice to sit there and get him to sit down and relax. He pulled his jersey down once. I think he grabbed him on the pads. And then the third time he's like, all right, man. Fuck you. And he turned around and just let him do what he had to do. Yeah. But I mean, I give Evans, like I said, the kudos. I mean, just sit here. Stay away from the coaches. Just fucking don't be seen. And everything I think would have been fine. Yeah. This is definitely an interesting situation because right after the game, you know, the press conferences, Brady comes out and says that we need to give him all the support we can because of these mental health issues that we know that he has. And this, that, the other thing. And then there really had, you know, that was kind of, he was kind of the only guy that said anything about that. Like, you know, even Arians later on, he came out and said, you know, that we love the guy and this, that, the other thing, but he obviously was not impressed with, uh, with AB not going back into the game, but I don't know. If you're AB and you got a bummed ankle, let's assume that it's a bummed ankle and it is as bad as he's saying it is. And the coach is telling you to go in and you can't, what do you do? you're you know you're between a rock and a hard place you can't do it so now you're gonna potentially get cut you're gonna get potentially suspended by the team whatever uh because you're not going in but the team thinks you're good to go but at the other side of it you know if you go out and you play and you fuck up your ankle even more and it ruins your career now you're fucked now could you then go back and sue the tampa bay buccaneers probably probably not if they said he was good to go, he was healthy, and then he goes out there and they can tell it wasn't a fresh break. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. So I think this is part of where the he said she said comes into this because it it shouldn't necessarily be just Brown making that decision. He should be talking to doctors, he should be getting their opinion, he should be that should be conveyed to the coach. Maybe they would have completely agreed with him. Yeah, if you're hurting that much. Your ankle looks like it's, I can see the bone or yep. whatever. Yep. You're out. Yeah, just Sorry, coach. He yep. can't play, coach. Sorry. 
Yeah, the cutthroat didn't the, happen. The cutthroat would have went the other way. Sorry, coach, yeah. he's done. Yeah, exactly. And you going, you're done. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like that didn't happen. Maybe that's just a breakdown of communication. I don't know. So does he play another snap with an NFL team? Yes. You think so? Yep. Who picks him up? He was and, he was just waived by everybody. Yep. Nobody wanted him. So where does he go? In the wake of all this, I that doesn't surprise me. I think in the offseason he'll probably get signed somewhere. I don't know where. I think he I think he's gonna take his words back to the USFL and sit there and say, Yeah, man, I'll come play. I'll be I'll be your 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 billboard guy for the USFL. Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't think he'll play another snap in the NFL. I agree with you, Yosh. I don't I think I'm, all the teams are looking at this and saying, no, nope, this guy's way too much of a liability. He and his his production isn't even that great anymore. Like it's good, but he's not the Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh. He's beyond a cancer in the room. He's beyond cancer in that room. You never know what A B you're gonna get. Yeah. So I wouldn't want him. Someone will take him. I'm telling you. I mean, it's going to be like the Jets or yeah, or Jags. Yeah, like it's, it's going to be a shit team. Chance, right? Yeah, it'll be, but it'll be an NFL team. Maybe, maybe if it is, but I don't know. I don't think you're going to see. You know, the Rams aren't picking them up, or nope. the, You know, some of these top end, the Green Bay Packers aren't picking them up. I mean, maybe nope. they pick them up after they lose fucking Rodgers next year, but. <laughs> <no one's> <laughs> So, Kev, what did you say? You don't you agree he won't play another snap in the NFL? Yep, I agree he will not play another snap in the NFL. I wouldn't want him. I really wouldn't. I mean, unless you're going to sit there and put him through therapy before every game and maybe after every game, and then that therapist says, okay, he's good to play or he's not good to play this game. Without that, I wouldn't take him. Yeah, but this, this one doesn't seem to be, although Brady made it seem to be it was a mental health thing, it really doesn't seem to be a mental health issue this time. It seems like it's, I'm hurt. I can't play. Shut the fuck up. Play. That's kind of what it seems. You know, it doesn't really seem to be a mental health issue. He seems to be like he's in the right place to play football. He just, if he's hurt or he believes he's hurt, then, you know, the, your, your therapy. Uh... That's not my helmet. I don't, I'm not going to play without my helmet. Yeah, but that was, that was fucking years ago, man. Like he's past that shit. Like, Is he? I wouldn't play without my helmet either. Like I wouldn't wear your helmet. But if you're getting a you're getting a brand new helmet that says this is the helmet you have to play with, there was lots of guys that were didn't want to get a new helmet because of the the concussion thing where they phased out some of the old helmets. There was a bunch of guys, and eventually they, you know, eventually you get. I'm suck it up and wear it. I'm superstitious like that. Like you know, I've had a fucking set of old ass golf clubs for a hundred years, and I won't trade them in, even though I know a better one, a better set, a newer set will probably make me a better golfer. But if this thing here is going to tell you it's going to save you from concussions, it's going to save you from fucking other brain, other injuries, you're not going to sit there and say, okay, you know, this is a probably better helmet for me to be wearing. I mean, he and switched. So more importantly, after your golf season last year, <laughs> maybe consider, maybe those things are a bit too old. You know? yeah. one, one more year with my old clubs and maybe we'll get some new ones as a wedding gift or something. In the all right, so my box this week is referee Matthew Kalayo. Who? Yeah, exactly. NBA referee Matthew Kalayo. <laughs> so he's a younger referee uh, in the association. 
And he had Kyle Lowry ejected in the Heat's January 5th game versus the Portland Trailblazers. Oh, him. Oh, him, yeah. <laughs> so K. Lau was ejected after receiving his second technical foul, which has been a long-standing NBA rule. We all know that. Uh, how he got his second tactical is a bit more confusing, though. So Kyle turned and he underhand tossed the ball to the ref, this Matthew Kaleo, and then he was quickly given the tech right after that. Now, uh, in a post-game uh, interview, uh, crew chief Derek Richardson said after the game that Lowry was ejected for continuous complaining and throwing the bat ball at a game official in an unsportsmanlike manner. Now, yes, he was continually complaining. He got his first tech for bitching and moaning about uh, about a personal foul that he didn't like. So he he was bitching and moaning. He got tacked up for that, and then a little bit later on, this happens. Uh, he's still bitching. I remember there was a there was an inbound and. Lowry was standing right beside the ref. Lowry was inbounds. The ref was, was out of bounds. The other player had the ball beside the ref out of bounds, literally just handed the ball to Lowry because they were, they were standing and they, they were, he's bouncing the ball and he's just still bitching at him about this ref, about these calls. So, uh, so he ends up getting the second technical by it, it was a stoppage in play. He underhanded, there was no speed. There is no aggressiveness uh, in in this toss, it was a nice, easy it was a toss. toss. And this egomaniac fucking referee decides to tee him up again, which obviously resulted in that ejection. Um, like I said, there was definitely no question that Kyle was complaining. He seemed to be uh, directing some profanity at, at Kyle and the other referees. But uh, definitely this toss was not malice in any way, shape, or form. And this is a horrible, horrible ejection. Was it ever? That fucking ref caught that ball first. He honestly caught the ball and then went, oh, he threw that at me and let go of the ball. And like, how, how the fuck are you giving them a technical on that? I mean, if you caught it and it was like nice and soft, it wasn't like he whipped it at you. But you caught the ball and went, holy shit, he threw that at me. I'm going to let go of the ball now and I'm going to technical. You're a dick. Yeah, I didn't like that play at all, man. <laughs> It was a brutal call for sure. It was very brutal. It's it's the worst ejection I've ever seen. It might be the worst ejection the NBA has ever fucking seen. Like so it far, is, it is bad, man. That was that was horrible, horrible, awful, as Shaquille O'Neal would say. Yeah, and that's Kyle Lowry. That's a veteran. That's a fucking yeah NBA yeah. champion. You're fucking talking about. That's right. And if you don't get me wrong, too, I don't think that that I think that ref actually had his hands out. To accept that oh, ball, he caught the ball like it, it was like he saw it, and then Kyle must have said, "I think Kyle might." I, I saw something uh, when I was looking into this a little bit that said, "I think Kyle called him a pussy." <laughs> then you are, and, and I that's think that's when he let go of the ball, toss and the little underhand toss. Maybe the ref thought maybe it broke his fingernail or something, and he got oh, upset. Yeah. And yeah, then he called him a pussy, and that's when he fucking teed him up. You know. And, so, so anyway, this is ridiculous. The uh, you know, I mean, we always chirp refs, but they need to be better. They Fuck really yeah, like they're getting paid pretty good fucking chunk of change as well. And I know they make mistakes, but this is this is horrible, just horrible. Garbage. So, I think we should be finding the fucking refs too for stupid plays. They find, should. They should find them. Hundred percent. Make the make the refs accountable too. You know, you make a shit call, then you find 
you find that actual ref and then maybe you find their crew chief a little bit something too so that the crew chief says yo boys like why am i forfeiting some of my pay yeah. because you're an idiot you yes. know and you you decided to call a second tech on kyle but yeah it is what it is so anyway nba referee matthew kylo you're in my box because you're, you're a dick goof. are you there pete welcome back bro I'm there, but i'm very unstable yeah <laughs> okay might be good now you're good now okay carry all on right. carry on <laughs> all right boys that's gonna do it for our penalty boxes uh we've got a few few things to go through for our scores here we got some uh some plus and minuses uh, before the show even started and then yep. we'll get into our scores for the week so just to update our nfl lock of the weeks uh today was the last uh last chance to up your record or down your record depending on how you uh how you chose and so coming into this uh, this week, Pete was winning. Jess was in second place. Uh, I was in third and Kev was in fourth. Jesse and Peter ended up going head to head this week, as did Kevin and I just for fun, even though we were long gone out of this uh, chance to win. And so Pete took Jesse's Rams so that Jesse had to cheer against his Rams uh, and he had to uh-huh. cheer, cheer for his uh, not so favorite uh, San Francisco 49ers. Probably which gave him a second headache of the day. Probably gave him an extra headache, yep. Uh, Kev and I were head-to-head, and I wanted Kev to cheer against his Atlanta Falcons, so I which, chose the Falcons. Which I was pl- hoping on my second favorite team to win. And they did. So, uh, for Kevin and I, I lost that game. Kevin won. That pushes Kevin up to being tied with me, so we ended up being tied for third, Kev. You! You! At a big whopping seven wins and 11 losses. Oh, uh, not great, bro. Next year. Ooh, you, guys, you guys are not great. Not great. Yeah, not good at all. Uh, Jesse, with going with the Niners this week, being forced to by Pete, ended up getting a W in overtime. Oh, which makes ooh. him and Peter tied for the, uh, the lock of the week season. Uh, season standing, so they both finish at 12 wins and 6 losses. Holy fuck, eh? Tie, 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 tie. Tie, tie. Wow. So, that's gonna give Mr. Pete... At least the Rams lost. At least the Rams lost, yeah. It's gonna give Pete a plus 2 for for tying for first. It's also gonna give Jesse a plus 2 for tying for first. And that's gonna give Kevin and myself... A zero for tying for third. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for our penalty boxes. So let's move into our scores for the uh, the week for the episode. But before we get into the actual challenges this week, we have to update our NFL locks. Pete was in the lead, Jesse in second. Uh, I was in third, and Kevin was in fourth to start the week. Kevin and I went head-to-head, as did Peter and Jesse. I took the Atlanta Falcons, Kevin's favorite team, uh, against New Orleans. New Orleans ended up winning, so that brought Kevin up to uh, to tie with me in third. So we both sit at seven and eleven. Uh, good enough for a big zero points and penalty points. All right, killing Pete, it, boys, killing it. Yeah, you bet. Uh, Pete and Jesse, as I said, went head to head. 
So Pete decided that he was going to take Jesse's Rams so that Jesse had to cheer against his favorite team. <laughs> and he had to cheer for one of his most hated teams, the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> Game goes into overtime today. Uh, Pete was really hoping for a tie. I was, because then the Rams don't win, but I would still win the, the blocks of the week. Would have been wonderful. I would have been super happy. Didn't happen, though. No, the Niners won. So that pushed Jesse up to 12 and six and uh, equaled Pete with a 12 and six as well. So Ooh. they both come out on top. They are tied for first. So we'll uh, reluctantly, we'll give them both two points. And as I said uh, earlier, Kevin and I will sit at zero for our locks of the weeks from uh, last season. This is carrying over. So now last night, Kev, you and myself, uh, we hung out with Jesse and our significant others. We did a little uh, Christmas uh secret santa exchange and a little parte as we're obviously all busy over the uh, actual holidays so uh so kev when we were really drunk last night you decided that you thought for sure might be trying was gonna throw three interceptions today yeah that's that's a lot of interceptions kevin oh well i mean it happens i mean brady's throwing four and still won a game well but Matty Ice is not Tom Brady. No, he's not. That's why I figured he would probably throw more than four, but uh, you know, or three. That's why he said three. Whatever. He did not. He threw one today. Woo! And so, uh, I guess Jesse made the odds here, so it was a two to one odd. Fuck you, Jesse. You're not even on the show. Bitch. And so that is going to put Kevin to a minus two. Right off the hip hop for the for the bet, and that yep. puts me plus one for the bet. Yeah. Kev, you couldn't even make it to the start of the episode at zero. You just, you just live in the negative. Buddy, you know, I'm always about underdogs. or always about doing some stupid shit. So, I mean, I am who I am. <laughs> That's an true. argument here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pete, why don't you uh, remind us what the challenge was this week? Uh, who won, who lost? And uh, I guess tally up our season totals. Oh, I don't need a reminder. Our audience might, but I won the challenge, of course. Of course. First challenge, first challenge of the season, I always win, apparently. Uh, but it was uh, the age of Giovinco versus the age of Insigne when they joined TFC. I thought Giovinco was younger, which was correct. I thought he was a lot younger than he actually was, apparently. I thought he was like 20. Apparently, he was like 28. But still younger than... 30 that is insignia so plus one for peter minus one for josh which brings our season totals starting with zero but with everything that josh just summarized plus that one challenge that brings peter to plus three on the season it's got the early lead early lead kevin drops to minus two yeah yeah a number above i mean if i just said one it would have been fine because he did throw one right Rios? Through one, he didn't throw three. Okay, I'm just saying, if I would have went with one, I mean, my drunken stupidness, oh, I always went more than one. Of course, it's gonna be one. <laughs> and Josh, with the winner of that bet at the one to two odds and the loss on the challenge, remains at zero. There you Even go, Josh. On the year. So far, so Not good. Bad. Not too shabby at all. Not bad. 
So that's Peter three, Jesse two, Josh zero, and Kevin minus two. Yeah. Beauty. Starting off the year with a bang. Beauty start, boys. As as is Okay, guys, we got a couple things here left to do. Next one up. How's your drink? Kev? My uh, Junction Hazy IPA at a 6.2%. was awesome. I mean, I like it. I mean, this IPA stuff, I mean, I'm only doing it on the podcast. I don't drink this on the regular. Trust me. But I like it. It was great. I think this one's right out of Toronto. Yeah, I drew it out of Junction Craft Brewery, right out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Awesome. It was great. Pedro, how was your mega, mega beer? Wa? The mega can. The Hoppin McElroy, brewed in Pasadena, Newfoundland, 5% from Western Newfoundland Brewing Company. I don't actually know. I think it's an IPA. I don't actually know. It doesn't sound the game. But it was pretty good. Solid. It's got a very uh, craft brewery kind of taste to it, if that uh, means anything to you. But, uh, yeah, it's a solid solid beer. And uh, just about exactly enough to get through our episode. There's about one mouthful left out of this big, massive can. Dude, that's massive. If it lasted the whole entire episode. So that's good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Josh, how was your... Uh, I forget what you had. Muskoka Brewing, Haze and Confused. 6.5% strong beer. It's really good. Just finishing up uh, mine. Like you say, Pete, I'm pretty much right, to, right at the end of my second one here. So this is working out well. I really like this stuff. Um, as Like I said before, I'm pretty sure one of you guys have had this. Might have been Jesse um, in uh, season one. But uh, that was then. This is now. And I enjoyed this. I'll definitely get this one again. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, so that's episode one, boys. We did it. We got through. Awesome. Nice and speedy. I love it. Yeah, hopefully uh, our listeners are enjoying this, uh, r- you know, rather, well, maybe not, I shouldn't say rather quick, but it's faster than our last handful of episodes. That's for fucking sure. And uh, we'll see how the editing goes this time, because who knows, folks, you might see us on YouTube soon. You never know. Hi, old. Keep an eye out. Maybe, maybe. So, yeah. Anyway, kids, we're going to sign off here. So, for everyone here, points and penalties, including the uh, under the weather, Jesse. We'd like to to thank you for listening to episode one of season two. Please subscribe wherever you get your pods. Give us a like, follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget to share. It's at points penalties. And until next week, Stay Stay out out of the the penalty penalty box. box.